Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, it's Gabby here. Welcome back to The Midpoint. So much of the conversation around aging still focuses on the things we lose or the things we can't do anymore. And yeah, don't get me wrong, there are some downsides. For example, I'm talking to you right now wearing glasses. A few years ago, I hadn't worn a pair of glasses. Now, I've got about four pairs and I can never find them. And that maybe is something else to do with getting older. But what I've also found is that so many of the guests I've chatted to in the last three years are hugely positive about all the things they've gained in midlife and the wisdom that they've mined along the way. So I thought I'd dedicate a whole episode to being positively old, the joys of getting older, and invite you to take a trip through the archives with me. First up, here's radio presenter Colin Murray sharing his thoughts on hitting the midpoint. But this is my age, yeah, I think so. For a million reasons, like I, I, I just, I'm a much better 45-year-old than I than I was when I was, you know, an 18-year-old or a 25-year-old. I, I don't get asked to go out as much. I don't have to make excuses, which I love. Say, for example, there's a staff night out at a place you work. And a lot of my production team on Five Live are younger. And you can see them look sheepishly at you. Do you want to come along? <laughs> No, I'm going home. And I love that. I like I like the age where I didn't do very well at school. My later years now have been like reading books, mm. learning about the world, a little mm. bit of history, a little bit of geography. You know, can I look at the continent of Africa and pretty much pick out most of the countries and where they are? All those things that when I was young I didn't do because I just screamed my way through my youth. A little hyperactive kid who slept for two, three hours a day. So I just went... <laughs> And did everything. So by 18, it was like rehab time. And then, yeah, I've been working since I was my 16th birthday. I mean, on my, as soon as I could start that job at McDonald's and then the YTP scheme at the Ulster Newsletter, I haven't stopped. So as, as I'm here now, I've had that work ethic mm. well, at, a, at a car washing round when it was like 11. Because, you know, how else are you going to buy per Levi's? The, <laughs> the cider doesn't pay for itself, Belby. you got to wash some cars. So, you know, I, I basically work round the clock now mm. for, you know, over 30 years. Are you addicted to it? No, I don't think I am. I think I'm afraid of not having anything. So I think so I've, is, all, is it, I've always it's financial. It's it's material. I, I think it's part of it is is that fear that like it'll go away. I think a lot of you know people who are, who are proper working class have that like mm. where, where you're just like well at some stage someone's going to come into the room when you're on air. Right, my next guest on Five Live is Gabby. Oh, hold on, there's a there's a man with a spotlight coming into the studio. <laughs> Everything's shining on you. You're an imposter. <laughs> you cannot name all of the kings and queens of England in order. Get out. Get back. Um, so that's always, it's there a lot less now. And I think mm. that's one thing I love. I, I think you only really start accumulating wisdom at, at 40. And But here's the twist. Like I know now I was a kid at 18. I know I was a kid at 21. I know I was a kid at 25. And I was probably sort of some form of young adult at 30. 
And I feel 40 was the start of where you sort of become a developed human being. But what if that's wrong? What if I get to 50 and then realise actually... This yeah, is but, all absolute bullshit. What I'm saying, <laughs> but you, but I think there's there's definitely more confidence behind what you've just said there, and I wonder if that explains also why, in spite of the fact that you've been in long term relationships, you've got to this age without starting a family. Because I imagine a lot of your growing up, the kids that you grew up with, I bet they started families already. I think they? most people I know have got families. Mm. I think it's much more simple than that. I'm just just not really built for kids. I love them. Like if I'm in a room, right. And there's me, you, three other adults and a kid. I'm going to play with a kid. You, I'll have no interest in the conversation that you're having. You'll get honesty from a kid straight mm. away. A kid can spot someone who they, 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 can, they can... The honesty of children is unbelievable. We lose that, don't we? We develop mm. tact. Mm. So I, I, I love kids. I really do. But I'm just... I am definitely not equipped for that type of responsibility. I don't believe I am anyway. Do you think you ever will be? Not at all. I've, no. I've never had the itch. And not even slightly, you know, your ego. Everybody's got one. You think, I'd like to pass this on to my own progeny. Oh, I'd God, like to have no. my own flesh and blood. I think that's really interesting that, you know, um, the the idea that you're going to leave something behind. Mm. Well, what do you know? You're not really, are you, though? That's not true. And listen, there's so much of me I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> burden on other But I wouldn't really want to give anyone my brain. That's for sure. Not at all. I wouldn't want to give them a singing talent. Uh, you know, there's there's so much of me I don't think is special. Like, that doesn't need to be passed down. We all think our kids are special. But the we human all... race would have ground to a halt, Colin, if we'd actually... Would that be those... a bad thing, Gabby? <laughs> it's going to anyway. I, I don't know. I also, I'm also acutely aware, which, again, this comes with, I wish I had the... But you can't. This is, this is, this is the most BS thing I'm going to say. I wish I had the knowledge I had now. I could go back and speak to my 18-year-old self, but you can't. Mm. Nobody does. Youth doesn't listen and probably shouldn't. Singer-songwriter Charlene Spiteri, the stunning frontwoman of Texas, had some pretty strong views about some of the joys of getting older. I mean, I've always, uh, as you, same with you, I mean, I've never been one to kind of sit on the fence, to be honest with you. And then, then sometimes I think, you know what, there's a great freedom that comes with getting older. It's just that you don't, you properly actually don't give a shit. You just go, I'm just, I'm just going to say it because I don't need to make any friends. It's like, whatever. You don't like, you know, that acceptance of like, they don't like me. It's like, yeah, fine. They don't like me. They don't like me. It's fine. You know, when you're young, you're a bit like, oh God, why do not like me? <laughs> now you just go, I don't care. They don't like me. Whatever. Move and on. And that is a genuine thing, isn't it? You don't spend any time, when you put your head on the pillow at night, you don't think about it. It's just... It really is. Yeah, I quite like it. <laughs> how many how many nights consecutively would you spend on a on a tour bus? Um, you probably do three nights on, one night off. Wow. Yeah. And you still that's because that's another thing as well. You think like at your stage of your career and what you've done that you know you'd be going. I'm not going. You, is going on the tour bus integral to the the kind of unity of the band? Do you think of being with them? Do you know what I think it probably is? I mean, we are a team. Without them. I can't do what I do and without me they can't do what they do. It's like, you know, all our crew, everybody is like, it's a really small team. We don't have a massive entourage. We keep it really tight, really small and it's it's a lot easier. There's not a massive amount of egos to deal with and, you know, the great thing about Texas is that everybody knows their place within the band. 
nobody else is trying to do anybody else's job. So I'll be honest, being a wo- having a woman in a band is probably like because if any any shit starts, I'll be the one that literally goes <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's sort this out now. Do you just do you just nip it in the bud straight away? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Instantly, it's like mm. if anything, somebody's not happy with something or something, and it's like, right, what's the problem? And then they're like, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you just, you know, you've just got to be upfront like that and get on with it. It's like, okay, it's either, you know, I've always been really honest with my band. It's like, okay, you either want to do it or you don't want to do it. If you don't want to do it, move on. We'll, we'll, we'll replace you. It's like, fine. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. The only person that can't rep- be replaced is me. So <laughs> get with the program. Ain't that the truth? But do you know, but that's the thing is like, it's like if you're up front and you're honest, it's like, do you know what? Seriously, like, they're not bothered. And and I think when when you're that, I guess, I mean, it might be a bit brash for some people, but that's that's the way we are as a band and everybody knows it. And we're all standing on that stage because we all want to be on that stage playing as a band. For lovely podcaster and presenter Edith Bowman, getting older enabled her to hone her craft and really focus on what she wanted to do. Our paths have crossed a few times over mm. the last 20 odd years, but not, not that often. But what I saw as a kind of interesting parallel was, um, if this is true, what I read about you, you're a year younger than me. And about, uh, I think it was about 2009, you had a bit of a, a wobbly time with Radio 1 when you kind of, yeah. you know, it, it read like you were a little bit unsure about where you were going at that mm. point in your career. Because, And I'd had a similar thing two years before that with ITV, where I was pretty much sidelined and kind of had to almost felt like I had to build my career again at that point. And we would have been similar ages when those things happened to us. And it's interesting kind of how you deal with that in that I was like mid thirties, you know, kind of early to mid thirties and how you dealt with it. Obviously it looks to me like you then decided almost, you know what, I'm going to do the stuff I really want to do because Mm -hmm. from then on, you seem to really get into the arts, the films, doing the kind of music you wanted to do. Tell me a little bit about that process. Yeah. It's that thing, isn't it? Where people are making decisions that are out of your control about mm. your life that is is terrifying. And the Radio 1 stuff was interesting because I'd, I'd had Rudy and I'd had conversations with my bosses about what my future was at Radio 1 and it felt like it was, you know, there was a, there was a, a future there in terms mm-hmm. of where it was going and there was suggestions on where that might lead to within the station and what the kind of, you know, ultimate kind of goal would be. And that was just pulled out from under me that was kind of I thought I was going in for a meeting to to be kind of told that was the direction we were going eventually because I've been waiting a while for it and then it was the complete opposite in terms mm. of so sideswiped you completely absolutely, absolutely no warning no kind of um and and with the with the with the person that had kind of made these not promises to me but you know let you to believe that yeah absolutely and so it's kind of like, well, and there was no real, it's, it was a bit like, a, you know, like a breakup when you don't really know why the breakups happened, where they can't give you a reason. It was a little bit like that because the figures were amazing um, and I could only put it down to my age and the fact that I'd become, a, and I was a mum and it wasn't cool and it wasn't part of the image that, that Radio 1 wanted to to present. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while. I was so upset. I mean, I kind of, I cried in the meeting because I was, you know, I love what I do and I'm, I'm mm. passionate about it. Mm. And I don't do things if I don't kind of believe in them, really. I mean, you know, then I was, I felt like, I, and when I look back now, I was still on a path of kind of discovery as to what I wanted to do, really. 
But the opportunities I was given at Radio 1 were extraordinary and it gave me kind of my foot in so many things that I've gone on to to explore and delve deeper into. But it took me a long time to kind of get over that and and to pick myself up from it really and find the confidence again because mm. it really knocked me for six. Did you ever at that point think, okay, this isn't for me anymore. I can't handle this kind of rejection for no apparent... You know, when you're, you've talked about being out of control and that's the thing, I think, when you work really hard and you've worked hard on your career and it's such a subjective kind of thing that somebody decides, you know, this yeah. is not... This is not for you now. Did you did you doubt you'd even stay in the business? No, I never doubted. What I what I I have this kind of um, when someone says no to me or or kind of um, not the right answer. It's like, it's kind of almost a bit like a, a, it will make me fight harder in a way. I remember when I first started and I I was getting work experience. I was trying to get work experience at what was Radio Fourth in Edinburgh at the time. And the program controller who eventually got me in for a meeting sort of said, you know, well, what do you want to what do you want to achieve by doing work experience here? And I says, well, I want to learn as much as I can and I'd like to have my own show at some point. And he sort of turned around and said, I can't put someone with an accent like yours on the radio. And so that in that moment, I was kind of like, don't let him see you're upset. And I was kind of like, mm. I'm going to prove you wrong. And so I think that. that I've got this, it comes from my mum and dad as well and the work ethic of growing up in this yeah. family run business. You know, it's kind of like, if you work hard for it, mm. you will kind of get there. And and so once I kind of allowed myself to be upset, because it's all right to be upset about stuff mm-hmm. and it shows mm. that I care really. Mm. And once I kind of got over that thing and realised that, do you know what, that was their decision. It wasn't my decision. Uh, and there are decisions that I can make from this point on. And so it was about working out what I really wanted to do and what I could do. And so it gave me a determination, again, I guess, to prove them, not to prove them wrong, but I guess in a way. To do something more, I mean, because in the back of your mind, maybe you'd had ideas about other things you wanted to do. What was it that you thought is the dream job? It felt to me this year when you presented the BAFTAs, that might have been that one of the was things. It. <laughs> <laughs> How do I get to the BAFTAs? This is yeah, it's taken a long time, but we got there eventually. Yeah, it's funny because someone there were so many people were so kind and lovely when it was announced I was doing that, and I kind of allowed myself to admit that I deserved it because I have put the work in, and I mm-hmm. think it is about putting those building blocks in place and those relationships and building on them and working on them to get to the point where you're asked to do it. And, you know, it's not like I hadn't been waving in the background. Without wanting to completely blow smoke up your kind of, you know, what's it? You not you built the building blocks, you built the foundations, you have the knowledge, the industry respects you, you know, and it's not like you're supplanted because you look good on the cover of a magazine last week. You know, you well, you do look good on the cover of a magazine, but you you're there because you are completely and utterly authentic and that's why it really pleased me because whoever is the person that gave you the call made a bloody good decision god you're gonna make me cry Gabby (laughs) well I know from what you'd have gone through because you can't help but think at those times can you that is this because I'm a mum now am I irrelevant you know do I have any relevance and so you know you're a shining example of how to kind of go right let's let's crack on with these let's make these kids actually part of my power absolutely Yeah, absolutely. And it's even like that first summer after I had, I had Rudy on June the 10th and I did Glastonbury 10 days later and after having a C-section. And it was, it was not, it it was to 
it was it was a total reaction to that whole thought process of like being a mum doesn't make me different. It doesn't change my passions. It doesn't change my what I love. It doesn't change the way that I'm going to talk about and love music. Yeah, my priorities will change slightly, but mm -hmm. it doesn't change anything ab about you, you know what I do. And so that was definitely mm. a reaction to to try to show people that I think as well. And what do you think about, I mean, Davina did this uh, very powerful documentary earlier this year and this the conversation does seem to be out there more, yeah. which it pleases me if only because we shouldn't let women of a certain age just disappear from view, you no. know, whether it is running big companies, working on TV, presenting the BAFTAs, whatever it is. So has that heartened you as a, as a broadcaster to see that? Yeah, I think so. I think the whole age conversation and what comes with age is something that needs to be as open and as as kind of um i think kind of encouraged is is mental health really because i think mm -hmm. it's with women in particular that they they kind of they can work in in kind of you know against each other almost in a way and that and that it can affect your mental health so i think the fact that we can feel like we can have conversations about it because i remember growing up in my my aunt elizabeth have an hrt and and it was kind of like oh shh kind of thing you know no one was sort of it's like weird, like, why can't you tell me what it is or talk about it or, mm. you know, explain to kind of young women what it is so that that fear factor or that kind of, you know, kind of entering the black hole of menopause is kind of erased so that it doesn't seem like mm. this terrifying, life-changing experience so that we can find ways of, you know, because we're all so unique we're, we've all got such a unique makeup that our response to everything is so unique to our, our mm. makeup. Um, and I think that it's the build up to it for me personally, anyway, is about being more aware of my body, being more aware of myself, what I put into my body, what I do to nourish my body. You know, I just did a, a 20 minute Peloton because I was like, oh, half one, great. I've got 20 minutes. So I just kind of jumped on the bike. And I really feel now more than ever the benefits of exercise. Mm. So a bit of Peloton, a bit of yoga, been wild swimming, which I love. And I think all that and realising how it can, how it makes me feel good is kind of the things that I need to be paying attention to more. And on the subject of paying attention to our bodies, if you're a regular listener, you'll know I focus quite a lot on exercise. Many of the physical experts we've had on the podcast have said that what we should in fact be doing is moving more, not less, as we get older. But one conversation that particularly stands out to me is the one money expert Martin Lewis and I had with fitness guru James Smith. I think there are always going to have to be considerations. I say to people, most things get harder as you get older. Hangovers are much worse, getting out of beds much worse. You end up having a lot more responsibilities. But it doesn't mean that you should give up with where you're at. There are two types of motivation that exist for people. We've got extrinsic, where people are doing things to avoid something bad happening. Now, that's not a great way to motivate someone. By saying to someone, hey, go on a treadmill or you have a heart attack, that doesn't make someone wake up wanting to exercise. Intrinsic motivations where people find things personally rewarding, and if you look at anyone or any friend or person that you know who's done something religiously for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, it's because they find it personally rewarding. I'm sure we've all got friends that get a boat out on a Saturday morning and go rowing. They don't do it to avoid themselves having a heart attack. They do it because they enjoy it. So when looking at older generations, rather than saying, hey, exercise so you can exercise for longer, we say to them, look, how about we try and get stronger? We try and become more flexible. We try and do something they can find personally rewarding. 
and then get them to work on a progression from that. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people are kind of overlooking when, you know, saying to older populations, we can go in with the argument saying, hey, osteoporosis, you know, bone density issues, sarcopenia, muscle wastage. But we need to be very careful with that. We should say to people, wouldn't it be great to be hitting personal bests and achieving goals throughout your 30s, 40s and 50s, which people 100% certainly can. It's possible, you think, to be increasing strength into your 50s? I think so. And I think that we need to look at the resources that are available to people. So you do have kids, you do probably get a worse night's sleep for a good 20 years. But at the same time, you're going to progress in your job and your work life, or even people have to give up work, which is an incredibly noble thing altogether. You're then in a position where you could potentially be smarter with your food shop. People always think their golden years are between 18 and 25, but I was getting pissed three times a week. (laughs) So I think that there's definitely pros and cons to both sides of it. Then I think that we should be striving to do as well as we can performance-wise. And you learn yourself. I've been lifting weights now for about 15 years. I'm still learning things. It's still fun. I'm probably not able to recover from quite what I could when I was younger. But I don't think that people should write themselves off. And I'm doing a bit of research at the moment into something called the expectation effect, where if people think something's going to happen, it's more likely to feel that way. We saw this with the vaccine trials where 30% of people that were given the placebo said they felt ill and they were like, you know, I feel like I'm going to be sick. And when people think that age is going to get in the way, it allows it to get in the way. Mm -hmm. You know, when you lie to your kids and say, have that, you'll feel better. Or you put a plaster on when they fall over, whatever it is, even at younger ages, you can kiss their elbow and suddenly it's all fine. (laughs) So I think there is a lot of it that people manifest things with age. And I've been guilty of this where Everyone said, once you hit 30, hangovers are worse. It was overnight. It was as soon as there was a three in my age that I struggled with hangovers more. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important that people start looking at their older years, their 40s and their 50s and think there is an element of being in your prime still through these ages. And uh, you can be a lot more focused and have a better understanding of who you are. Well, someone who has a good understanding of who they are is DJ Trevor Nelson. And he spoke brilliantly about enjoying life more on the cusp of 60 than he did when he was 30. I do understand why midlifers are set in their ways, like what they like, and but there is, I'm sorry, but there is there are midlifers out there that I see, I still DJ every other week, who come out, party like they don't care, and are just full of life and amazing people. I'm so glad I still DJ because I meet the most amazing people, Gabby. Honestly, they are full of beans. They're like the shack, their kids are grown. The yes. shackles are and they're and they're different animals. They're so no, they're worse than they were when they were young. Well, I've got a you know they mean it. parties the next two weekends. And um, the thing I'm as well as getting dressed up and everything, one of the things I'm looking forward to is the music and the bands because I know I'll probably dance for like three hours because I don't go to nightclubs anymore, mm. right? So I don't get to dance. So it's parties really is where you kind of end up dancing. And and then afterwards you know, you think, oh, I need to do that more. I need to do more of that. Because, you, you know, you, you never feel bad, do you, when you've heard great music for three hours and you've been dancing? You just don't. It's such an unbelievable hit of, of endorphins. But you're also not standing there seeing if you're being checked out by somebody, like when you were a kid, like when you were younger. You know, I, jo- <laughs> I joke about this all the time. I get on the microphone and I say to people, oh, how are you doing? Sort of thing. And they were like, hey. And I say, yeah, babysitters in or da-da-da-da or whatever, whatever. Do you remember when you used to come out and you'd and it'd be in their local town? Because I always like going around. I don't like people having to travel. I'll travel to you. 
So I go, remember you used to go to a club and there's always someone in the club you cannot stand. Oh, she's here or he's there. <laughs> oh, I better stay in this corner. Or, you know, he's the, or he's a pest. He's going to pest. You know. Now we don't care. We dance, we sweat, we don't care what we look like so much. Some people do. Some people don't care how they dress. They, they've lost their sense of fashion. They don't care. They're here to have a great time. And it's so different, the energy. And, and I am actually enjoying DJing now more than I ever did. And that is not even a lie. Do you think this keeps you young, Trevor? Do you think this keeps your spirit young? I think so. And I think, um, and I'm not deliberately trying to stay young, but it just, you just, you've got a joie de vivre, you know what I mean? You've got, and these people, you, you bounce off them, they'd, and they look at you and they, they'd say, I've still got life. Look at me. I'm still alive. They, it's almost like they're holding placards going, I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm here. <laughs> I say, who's staying till the lights come on? Me. <laughs> you know. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. When comedian Zoe Lyons came on the show, we laughed a lot about what she described as her quite blokey midlife crisis. But as she explains, buying not one but two sports cars was in fact a sign of something much bigger going on. I hit a massive wall. I hit the menopause. Uh, the, the pandemic happened. I lost all of my work, you know, like a lot of people. And I realised at the age of 49, 50, that um, there was, I had a lot of behaviours and I had a lot of thinking methods and a lot of coping strategies that just weren't working for me anymore. They weren't working. And I describe it now as hitting 50 and finally growing up. I finally so grew up. What were the behaviours then? I was very much a people pleaser who didn't really know how to have boundaries in my own existence. And I think a lot of that had to do with the way that I grew up and the environment that I grew up in. And I hadn't properly addressed it. And I hadn't allowed myself the... the I'm gonna, I thought of it as a sort of a, a luxury of exploring it. You know, I, mm. I sought therapy for the first time in my life when I hit 50. And I'd never done it before. And this, this sounds so silly. <laughs> Whenever people told me they were in therapy or they were seeking help, my first thought would always be, oh, you think a lot of yourself, don't you? <laughs> you know? really? What a ridiculous, yes, what a yeah. ridiculous, That's so what a ridiculous mindset that is. Because I think having been the stand-up for 20 years, you just do, you just cope, you get out there, it's hard, mm. you get on with it, mm. don't be silly. You know, constantly... Whenever you were asked about stand-up, it's like, oh, it's hard, isn't it? And isn't it hard for a lady? So you constantly mm. had to give this reply, no, it's not. I get on with it. I get on with it. I do. I do. I do. But also, Zoe, I think people think there has to be some huge trauma or mm. massive life event, perhaps, that has led people to therapy. And there doesn't. You know, there can just be no. this kind of compound effect. 
that absolutely a gentle layering the phyllo pastry of personality builds up and it's a gentle layering and sometimes i reached a cracking point but again it wasn't i, I zoe didn't recognize that my right. body recognized that and my body went into resist mode and 80% of my hair fell out and it was saying we can't carry on like this so and, this is when um, the alopecia started yeah, in, yeah. in lockdown. It, it, uh, it was a very physical manifestation of the mental struggle that I was going through at the time. And, it, you know, and it forced me to look at myself and to seek help and to, uh, do you know what, take care of myself. Do you think if the alopecia hadn't started, you, well, you might have eventually got there, but you wouldn't have got there as quickly? Absolutely. I, I, and I know this sounds like a horrific thing to say, and I don't say it lightly, but, you know, the pandemic, as awful as it was, and this genuinely, you know, total respect to people that suffered horribly, but mm. it was a, such an unusual period of history, and it afforded us time, and it afforded us a break that a lot of us wouldn't have taken if, mm. if it wasn't forced upon us. And I see that time now as a gift to me, for me. I see it as a gift. It was awful. I went through extreme depression. I really struggled losing my hair. My wife and I separated for a year and I got as low as I'd ever got in my life. It was it was brutally low. But some uh, I realised in that point that actually sometimes you've got to break things completely You've got to break things apart completely to be able to put them back together again properly. It's a bit like, you know, when you're driving, you know, when you park in a car, <laughs> do, you try to, do you ever try to parallel park and you get it so wrong that you're like, I'm you going to have to again. sell this car. Yeah. I'm going to have to what? sell the car and buy another car. I'm going to have to leave sell this the car, car here, perpendicular <laughs> to the pavement and just buy yeah, another just car. <laughs> We never owned it. Walk away from it. It'll be easier. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so the, the 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 marriage was under so much strain. Obviously, that yeah. through what was going on, I assume this yes. was this a build up beforehand. Did it take you both by surprise? Or, you know. Oh, I think it was probably a build up beforehand. I think both of mm. us struggled with. We always said we always said the the sentence we communicate so well, and what we realised afterwards was we just said that sentence really well. <laughs> <laughs> but when you look behind it, it was a facade of a sentence. There was nothing behind it. It was like a movie set. We just kept repeating it. We communicate really well. And actually, we didn't. We didn't on so many levels. And again, we hadn't we hadn't invested the time at looking at ourselves, at sort of at our behaviours, at the way that mm. we were with each other. And um, yeah, we both separately sought help. And it 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 really yeah, it was, it was, it was, it's really interesting. So we've been together for 25 years. We had what wow. we now call our gap year, um, <laughs> which I highly recommend. Everybody goes on about their gap years and they're when they're 18, 19. Don't do it then. You're a kid. You've experienced nothing. Do it when you're 50. That's when you have a gap year, it's, like a it, proper gap year. That is an amazing thing to be brave enough and bold enough to go on from a marriage but only yeah. if you could guarantee almost that you were going to come back. You know, you couldn't have foreseen that, could you? At the beginning, you didn't know no. you were going to come back together. And it's no, a useful thing that you have. And you've come back, yes. I assume, as better, stronger, happier people. Oh, so much better. Oh, my goodness. So much happier. So much more mature. It's mm. as simple as that. 
When I spoke to football manager Phil Neville, I really got the sense that he's looking forward to all the life left to live beyond the midpoint. I'm looking forward to the empty nest. Uh, you know, I, I want my wife back a little bit, you know. <laughs> I mean, the school pickup times, the meal times. Yeah. That's good that you still want, you know, with in all seriousness, you still <laughs> want to be with Julie because a lot of people hit that period and they go, oh God, I've got to spend time with that person yeah. again now, you know. So, so that's lovely that, does she feel the same? <laughs> <laughs> We've not had that conversation yet, but, but maybe, uh, yeah, I, I hope she does. Well, I hope she does. But, but yeah, but, because sure I think does. I think just before we had children, we, we were like 21, 22. So there were so many things that we wanted to do. We wanted to travel. We wanted to go to places. Mm. There's so many places in America that I want to explore, that she wants to explore, that that maybe mm. our children can come with us, maybe they don't, but we can we can just maybe yeah. rewind back. They can dip in and out yeah. of your yeah. lives. And, yeah, and they'll always be part of our lives, but ultimately mm. the, the, me and my wife were, were inseparable. And, uh, and the, the so- but they're going to have their own lives, you know? And if she's going to go to university in America, I hate to tell you, she might meet her life partner. No. She's not going to university. Then... She's never meeting anyone. <laughs> no, but, but yeah, and, and that and that's where that's where I've just got to accept. And and every dad yeah, probably goes through this. <laughs> My worst nightmare is that one of my kids marries a Kiwi, you know, and they go live in the South Island of New Zealand. And no. like, Mine is marrying good. a Liverpool fan. That's that's my that's my <laughs> biggest problem. Do not marry a Liverpool rather, fan. A Liverpool Man City rather, fan. <laughs> it's not happening. Broadcaster Nihal Arthanaika has a lifelong love of hip hop and I loved his attitude to ageing. He made the very important point that the things you love don't have to change just because you're getting older. The fundamentals of why you like music, Gabby, don't change. You're still looking for a really amazing chorus, a great energy, truthfulness in lyrics, a star. So in that respect, I am as in awe of someone like Parsalu, a rapper, as I am in awe of Fleetwood Mac, right? Because there are just certain energies, certain creative instincts that you just are universal. The idea that you get to 93 and you stop listening to hip hop because you think, well, they were the glory years from like 88, 89 to 93. It's just absurd. It's absurd. If you're someone who is excited by culture, then it will keep you young. And I often say to my friends that hip hop culture keeps you young. At heart, I'm that kid with a microphone in front of me, rapping. I'm still that kid. I still love clothes that match. So another thing is your top and your trainers should match. Things oh, that's all. so funny because my son said something to me the other day about his trainers and I said about his top and he said, but they don't match. And I, and I thought he just had a really weird kind of piccadillo about, and so I didn't know that he was actually trying to match yeah. his Air Force One swoosh colour. Well, and that's how you would. That's exactly, and that, right, that, okay. is, that is still my mentality. Like if I see someone with Brands. an Adidas tracksuit top and Nike trainers, that that is like, oh my gosh, it's like fingernails on a blackboard for me when I see people. <laughs> and that's a hip hop thing. Is that how you know oh, they're not hip hop Oh, 100%, 100%. And Ramesh Ranganathan and I are, are friends because we have this shared love of hip hop and he's in his 40s, but... We have this shared love. We actually have this kind of shared upbringing where we were both Asian kids in non-Asian areas who discovered a sense of identity through hip hop. That's what happened. And I still have that. So it's kind of weird because some Five Live listeners may look at me or look at my Instagram or whatever and go, why are you dressing like a kid? But to me, I'm not dressing like a kid. I'm dressing how 
I have always wanted to. That's why I wear so much camouflage. I've got so many camo pieces in my wardrobe because I just love that because there's a lot of hip hop in that. And hip hop culture went on to influence so much of what is popular culture. That's where your son and I could probably have a really meaningful conversation about trainers. And weirdly enough, Gabby, things don't change as much as you think they have. There's still universal truths about what is cool and what isn't cool. And those things mean that you can identify people and then you can just build a bridge between them. And that doesn't matter whether in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, or now me in my 50s. And one of the things also I picked up in life is is spotting those kids and going, there's something about you. There's some energy about you. And do you gravitate towards that? Yeah, of course, because, you know, that's part of... When you get to my age, part of it is to identify who those young people are and, and if they need it and if they ask for it, just to provide a bit of guidance about how we navigated the industries we're in. And in return, you get a bit of their energy and their youthful yes. glow. It keeps it keeps yes. fueling you. <laughs> yes, yes. So so this is this is really interesting because the thing that I would be slightly um self-conscious about from the stuff you were saying is that not wanting to be that old guy but you you know you look cool you dress cool you know you genuinely know and love the music you're not kind of aping this thing to try and get in with people in their 20s that you're at raves with you're at uh, warehouse events with how do those people around you react to you it's it's quite funny because that makes you feel old because they're usually like i they they use terms that your son would understand. They'll say things like OG, like you're an OG. So you're an original gangster, right? Which I was never a gangster, but it's OG is like a term of respect for someone who's got gray hair in their beards, I think. And then they <laughs> might say things like, you're a legend in this. You've been in this since day dot. What was it like in the 90s when this happened? Like they'll say all those kinds of things. And also the most important thing is that I don't care if someone says, are you trying to be cool? or Because I'm confident in that my history and my heritage in music and culture is so deep and so broad. Mm. I don't care. You know, people can come and say, oh, who's he? And why is he wearing Air Force Ones? It's like, because he wants to. Like, there's nothing stopping any man in his 50s from dressing how he wants, other than mm. the fear of someone else's opinion. But if you don't care about anyone else's opinion in this regard, and I don't, then you're good. It doesn't matter. For me, one of the fundamental joys of getting older is learning to care less. So I had to finish with actress Olivia Williams' views on exactly that, despite the fact that she's living with cancer. Olivia, now are you um, are you still able to partake in, in a glass of champagne? I do. Well, now now the, um, no, the... I, haven't, I haven't got any for you, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Um, no, I, uh, again, everything in moderation. And, and it is amazing, as, as you say, when the consequences are truly awful, <laughs> there's no better way to moderate yourself. But, you know, there, there's that I had a, a, an eccentric aunt, you know, the, she was the, the, the smoker with one lung. I feel a bit like that. You know, I, I just you have to really live, live the philosophy, but not be too hard on yourself if you, if you fail. And, um, the, the psychology, I find the psychology of failing and binging and punishing is, is, uh, is fascinating. And I think women of our age are just 
full of so many people telling you what to do and how you should be. And uh, if you can combine Pippa's wonderful advice with some kind of self-love and self-compassion at the same time, that's probably a more winning formula. Yeah, I think it's any, anything to excess is going to be so much harder to maintain, isn't it? Yeah. And it's small steps and small habits. Um, and what we haven't touched on amazingly at all, which I'll finish with if it's all right with you, is going through all of your Hollywood experiences and being an actress and midlife and your terrible health kind of journey for those few years is body image, which, you know, is such a huge, still such a huge topic in terms of actresses being judged for, you know, how they look and what they're wearing and uh, all of those things. Again, you you seem to, I mean, maybe it's because you're such a classic beauty, but you seem to have also um, have a very healthy uh, approach to that as well. Have you ever succumbed to that feeling that you weren't hitting the type or you weren't quite right for what they wanted? It's a strange sort of probably misplaced confidence. I just never was self-conscious. And I think, you know, I think to a fault, probably, um, to the point where I had to, I did a film not long ago, definitely in my midpoint, where I had to swim naked in a pool in a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I was just like, great, kit off, jump in the pool. And it was only when I got out of the pool into a bunch of towels where Arnold turned to me and said, I haven't seen a bush like that since the 80s. <laughs> and it's just like... I don't care. <laughs> I didn't go wax before I did the scene. I didn't, th- I thought there wasn't time. I forgot. And, you know, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I really do think that might be one of the very best anecdotes we've ever had on the midpoint. So extra special thanks to Olivia for that. And I really hope you've enjoyed this special episode. It's been wonderful to dip back into those chats. If you want to hear any of them again in full, just search The Midpoint and you'll find all seven series worth of episodes for you to listen back to at your leisure. Quite handy if you're heading off for a relaxing summer holiday or to perhaps keep you entertained on a long flight. Thank you for listening and thank you to all my guests for sharing their wonderful thoughts on all things midlife. And as always, thanks to Spiritland Productions for producing this episode. I hope you'll join me again next week. But for now, bye-bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.